Welcome to No Small Talk, the arts and entertainment podcast for the Arkansas Times. I'm Amaya Jones, and I'm here with Stephanie Smittle. Hello, this will be our final episode of the year. We want to wish our listeners the very best this season and to thank you for tuning in to No Small Talk in 2018. You can expect that with the Arkansas Times shifting to a monthly format in 2019. This podcast will be adapted as well, so please be on the lookout for changes to come, which we are very excited about. Studios in Hollywood comes an exciting new film trial. A companion hit to Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, His Girl Friday, co-starring a thrilling new pair of screen lovers, Devil May Care, Cary Grant, and ravishing Rosalind Russell. Let's listen in to one of their tender, idyllic love scenes. I am fond of you, you know. And a girl. I often wish you weren't such a stinker. Today, we are going to talk about His Girl Friday, the Howard Hawks film released in the year 1940 and based on Ben Hecht and Charles MacArthur's 1928 play, The Front Page, and the 1931 film adaptation of the same name. Omaya is going to tell us a little bit about this film and why he chose it to be our final film in the Arkansas Times film series this year. But first, I just want to set the stage in the style germane to the era, to this 1940s era, when you would, you know, the opening credits on a film would roll and then there would be this big screen with a block of expository text. That happens, right, in His Girl Friday. And what you see is it's like sort of a newsprint background and then big black bold text tells you it all happened in the dark ages of the newspaper game when to a reporter getting that story justified anything short of murder incidentally you will see in this picture no resemblance to the men and women of the press of today ready well once upon a time i should also add that's in all caps. <laughs> well, you know, the titles, I, I guess they're meant to be legible. It's like comic books. You know, if you ever notice the dialogue in comic books traditionally is in all caps, mm-hmm. although there are some now that use mixed case dot lettering. His Girl Friday is one of the most well-known films, probably. It's one of the funniest films you'll probably ever see, I think. And it's known for being super fast-paced at the time when films weren't necessarily super fast-paced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and just reading, like, reading this intro again, it just reminds me that there is a period of time... Maybe we're still in this time where sort of the newspaper business is not seen uh, by society at large as um, uh, always on the up and up or like a morally Like um, a noble virtuous. profession? Right, yeah. Because yeah. Um, yeah. I think of something like uh, Chicago, right, which was originally written as a play by a woman who was a reporter for a Chicago paper. and She was actually covering some murder trials. And then... After she left the newspaper business, so I think the story goes that she found religion after she left the newspaper uh, industry and felt guilty about her role in the acquittal of these two women who had been, um, who were tried for murder. And then like for a long time after that, she would not uh, okay the production of this play. Uh, and of course, Bob Fosse, whose film All That Jazz we, we screened earlier this year, wanted to produce the play as a musical and it was only after she, like in her will, she left the rights to Chicago to Gwen Verdon, who was Bob Fosse's third wife, knowing that um, she would then let 
Fosse produce it as a play. Wow. Um, but yeah, so that just goes to show that th- there was this period of time when just people just thought of reporters as these people who were almost like leeches who just wanted a story no matter what. I think you can see uh, in something like uh, Citizen Kane, the press is is shown in a mixed to negative light. Sure. And there, there are just lots of films where it's, the press is always just shown as being um, not, not, yeah, not, not the most noble of professions. Yeah. So immediately when I sort of became privy to this film and and uh, and I haven't seen it, so I'll be watching it with uh, anybody who shows up Tuesday night to the Riverdale 10 Cinema at 7 p.m., only $9. Uh, we'll, we'll see you there and I'll be watching it along with you. But the first thing that struck me is that because this film came out in 1940 and I would imagine has been imitated so much. I was uh, reminded of the Hudsucker proxy Mm. and Jennifer Jason Lee's character uh, in that movie. The movie is uh, ridiculously fast paced. The Hudsucker proxy that is, and the parts that take place in a newsroom. It's not, um, it's not necessarily so much on the point of whether or not the press was a noble profession, but the fact that uh, it was sort of, uh, cutthroat in this way mm-hmm. that this uh, beginning splash screen of his Girl Friday seems to indicate and that people talked at ridiculous speeds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it, it, I guess it's sort of notable that so the, the uh, original film version of this, the front page is also at the time was considered fast paced, but I saw this feature that's on the Criterion Channel's website where they compared the pace of that film to his Girl Friday and it shows that um, while the front page may have been fast-paced for its time, it's not anything uh, near as fast as First Girl Friday. And His Girl Friday, like, the dialogue is so fast and funny. Like, there's just singers, like, every second. It's just, mm-hmm. it's like a super funny picture. Um, but uh, it, it verges on, like, overlapping dialogue, which is something that I think people mostly associate with, like, the new Hollywood uh, of the 60s with guys like Robert Altman um, like with something like MASH, right, where like the mm-hmm. dialogue is always overlapping. Um, and then also, just in addition to being like funny in terms of the, the dialogue and the lines and the readings, it's also just always funny to watch Cary Grant's facial expressions because <laughs> uh, he's yeah. very expressive. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I wonder sometimes if these are things that uh, maybe people of that time had come from more of a theater background mm-hmm. or started in the theater, when you have to broadcast your facial expressions uh, from a stage to the back of the room is very different than yeah. when you're on yeah. TV and film. And maybe some of that, like, you know, hyperbolic caricature yeah. way of, of expression carried over. I, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled to see it. I'm especially intrigued by this 1940s gender swap, yes. though, right? So initially in the play, my understanding is that uh, Rosalind Russell's character... Uh, Hildy Johnson, mm-hmm. is that her name? She was uh, not a female character. Right, yeah, and I think, so my understanding is what happened is, according to Howard Hawks, he did a, a reading of the script with his secretary, and I say according to him because my understanding is that the only person who remembers this is Howard Hawks, and he just noticed that the dialogue sounded better, and then reading the script, um, the relationship between the editor played by Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell's character, Hildy, seemed like a romance. And so then he had the idea of gender swapping the character and making her a woman. Um, and then that he also made them ex-husband and wife. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And my understanding is that because of the production codes at the time, you couldn't have, like, having them being um, divorced was essentially a way around having to, um, you could establish that they had a relationship without violating the production codes, right? Oh, so it would have been a problem if they hadn't been married? Is that what you mean? Yeah, because so so in the in the in the story, she they're div- they're a divorced couple and she's about to get remarried. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so, I guess there is some sort of social or societal um, norms that would have been violated with the idea that she had had a sexual relationship with somebody um, before she was married. Right. So what you do is just say they're divorced. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. And, that, and there's a whole subgenre of comedies called comedies of remarriage. Okay. That are, that are about people who are separated and then in the end get back together. Okay. Okay. That's a neat, neat way to tie it up, I yeah. guess, in if you live in 1940, right? Right. And you're subject to the Hollywood codes. Karina Longworth uh, is a podcaster who does a podcast called You Must Remember This. And she's been doing a series on uh, Golden Age Hollywood. And some of the episodes specifically deal with the Hayes Code uh, and the implementation of those codes from the silent era into the the talkie era okay which i think is interesting if if you want some background on sort of the ridiculousness of of all of this stuff okay so that that's great for the deep dive uh one other thing that i noticed coming across i came across this film of course because we uh covered it a little bit in the arkansas times and we previewed our arkansas Mm -hmm. times film series and knew that we were going to sort of screen this film on tuesday and one thing that stood out to me that I, I don't know if you and I talked about at the time is mm-hmm. the poster art, how radically different <laughs> the, the poster art is oh, from yeah. the way that the, from what the plot mm-hmm. seems to be. So like it strikes me that Hildy Johnson is very much like a go getter mm-hmm. in the film. And, you know, she's she's kind of like a, a, a smart, savvy mm-hmm. woman. Um, and that uh, it was just funny to me the way that the poster is just like sort of her in this long, very revealing yellow gown. And at the top it says, she learned about men from him. <laughs> and I thought, wait, yeah. is this about a news reporter? That's right. Like, where do we, where do we go off track here with the, with yeah. the visual art? But in a way, uh, maybe that was a way around sort of that marriage issue. Like mm-hmm. people, as word got out, people started to like say, oh, I, I heard that it's about, you know, she was with another right. man. Yeah. And it's interesting because her character's tension is that she says she wants a normal domestic life. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cary Grant's character doesn't believe that. He also wants her to be a reporter. Uh, and it's an exciting life. And maybe he's not as reliable as the guy that she might marry. Um, but it's more fun and unpredictable. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. His Girl Friday. Yeah. We're going to screen it Tuesday night. Please come out and join us. That is uh, Riverdale 10 Cinema, and it starts at 7 p.m. It'll cost you 9 bucks to get in. And uh, that's this coming Tuesday, December 18th. Um, so please join us then, and uh, we'll be right back with some recommendations. I intended to be with you on our honeymoon, Hildy. Honest, I did. All I know is that instead of two weeks in Atlantic City with my bridegroom, I spent two weeks in a coal mine with John Krupski. You don't deny that, do you, Walter? Deny it? I'm proud of it. We've beaten the whole country on that story. Well, suppose we did. That isn't what I got married for. Oh, what is the good of... Look, now, look, Walter. But I came up here to tell you 
is that you must stop phoning me a dozen times uh -huh. a day, sending me 20 telegrams. I write a beautiful telegram, don't I? Everybody says so. Are you going to listen to what I have to say? Look, look, what's the use of fighting, Hildy? I'll tell you what you do. You come back to work on the paper. What? If we find we can't oh. get along in a friendly fashion, we'll get married again. What? Certainly, I haven't any hard feelings. Welcome back to No Small Talk, and we're going to round things out for the year 2018 with some recommendations. Do you have a recommendation, Amaya? I do. Uh, I'm going to probably do a, a laundry list of things just because it's been a while, and it's going to be a while since we're back here again. Mm -hmm. uh, so in terms of events, uh, I definitely want to, uh, well, actually, New Year or Christmas Eve, December 24th, there is a, if you're an early riser, a 6 a.m. hike up Pinnacle Mountain. Cool. Uh, it's the fourth annual Christmas Eve Pinnacle Mountain sunrise hike. Wow. I may or may not be there due to the early time. I, I reserve <laughs> the right to not go, but I'm planning on going. Uh, December 21st, Friday, uh, there's the Winter uh, Solstice 7 Dance Party at the Whitewater Tavern. Uh, in January, on the 4th, Friday the 4th, there's Icebox 4 at Gallery 360. Um, which is uh, the gallery that is programmed uh, and run by Matthew Castellano, who we had on earlier. And he this talked year. a little bit about Icebox mm -hmm. on that uh, podcast from a few weeks ago. So check right. that out. Um, and then I also want to recommend that people go to YouTube and uh, I'll, I'll send you some YouTube clips that you can put in the blog post. But since the last time we recorded, one of my favorite, in fact, the only magician I really know anything about. Uh, and one of the world's greatest, most renowned sleight of hand artists, Ricky Jay, died. Um, oh. And he was he was also an actor. He was in a lot of films um, directed by David Mamet. He was in The Prestige, uh, and he was a consultant to Hollywood on matters of, of sort of how to uh, film and perform magic tricks and things for movies and, and sort of figuring all of that stuff out. And um, there's also this great, I guess it's one of the great New Yorker profiles was on Ricky Jay, published in the early 1990s. Um, and so there are these just amazing card tricks that he does that like, even if you know how they, how they do, them, they're still super massively impressive. Uh, and it's just like, and they're, he just must, it must be real magic. Uh, there's, sure. there's no other explanation. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm going to recommend people watch all of the Ricky J videos you can get your hands on. It's also interesting because you can watch, you can find videos of him performing on, um, late night shows in like the sixties and seventies. And then in the early 2000s on like Conan O'Brien wow. and like the pattern that he does while he's performing is the same. Okay. <laughs> it's like the banter does not change. Uh, and he's also no, he at one point he had the Guinness record for um, throwing playing cards with the highest velocity and okay. launch them to the skin of a watermelon. Wow. Yeah. Can you so, send that video? Yes. Okay. All right. That'd be great. Uh, do you have any recommendations? I do. Mine is a very different type of magic and that is the magic of the Christmas gift that has been given to us by a collaboration uh, between Lavelle Davison, mm -hmm. who is the young vocalist who was on The Voice earlier this year and narrowly missed out on getting to um, the final rounds, but fantastic singer, and 607, one of the mm -hmm. godfathers of rap in Arkansas. And uh, I just think this is a match made in heaven. They've made a Christmas album called <laughs> Holiday Blues. Uh, the front cover is uh, 607 and Lavelle Davison eating uh, what I think are like, okay, so one of them is eating ramen. 607 is eating ramen and Lavelle Davison 
is uh, eating cereal. And despite that sort of bleak <laughs> take and yeah. the title Holiday Blues, there are some jams. Mm-hmm. Like there are dance tracks. There's the really beautiful uh, love song. Go find Holiday Angel by 607 and Davison. The album is Holiday Blues. It came out just a few days ago. You'll be glad you did. Awesome. And do you have a move for the week? I do. I am going to tell you the one place that I wish I could be that I cannot this weekend, and that is uh, at Cal's Ron Robinson, Central Arkansas Library System uh, at Ron Robinson Theater through the Arkansas Sounds Concert Series is bringing a Norteño band this Ooh. Friday called Quinto Poder, and or they go by QP5 some places. So this is, if you don't know Norteño music, it's sort of, that sort of like has a polka beat, and it often has like you know, uh, really bright guitars, some a guitar called a bajo sexto, and then uh, saxophones. And um, there's been this sort of rejuvenation of Norteño or Corridos. Um, that style of music is uh, being reinterpreted by younger people, even though it was also popular in the 50s and 60s. And uh, certainly our own local Quinto Poder is uh, one of the groups sort of reimagining that. There are some really fantastic videos out there. I'll link to a couple of them on the blog post that accompanies this podcast. But if you're just out and about, check out the excerpt of a song called Las Envidias. It's on QP5 or Quinto Poder's Reverb Nation page. And uh, they are just, you know, it's three guys sitting mm-hmm. on hay bales in like a pendant horse uh, pen. There's mm-hmm. a horse behind them, seemingly oblivious to this beautiful music. And uh, yeah, it's great stuff. I can think of no better antidote to all the Christmas holiday bullshit music you've probably <laughs> been suggested, subjected to in the last few weeks. So uh, they're doing a holiday concert at Cal's Run Robinson this uh, Friday night, December 14th. It is free. Ooh. Yeah, free, 8 p.m. You should go, though, to cowls.org, find the event, and register because they like to know how many people are going to be there, and then it helps them uh, do programming in the future. So make it known that you want to see more music of this kind. Um, Norteño is something that I don't know a lot about, and so I'm curious about it, but it's just so beautiful. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, uh, and we'll be back next year. See you next year. 